Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning. It's Pastor Julie and it's Pentecost Sunday. The birthday of the church, when Jesus sends the Spirit upon all of his disciples on that day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, 10 days after the ascension. And we're reading from John, starting in chapter 15, verses 26 to 27, and then 16, verses 4b to 15. And 4b just means that that's the second half of the verse. Um, so Jesus says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who comes from the father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did you ever see the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey? At the beginning of the movie, he's a consummate liar. He doesn't tell the truth about anything until his son wishes for his birthday that his dad wouldn't be able to lie for one whole day. And through some sort of magic, he gets his wish. As Fletcher begins to discover he can't lie, it quickly becomes apparent that there are good reasons not to tell the absolute truth in life. There's this co-worker who has really different to the point of being disturbing hairstyles and outfits, and she asks him in the elevator what he thinks about her new hairstyle. And since he can't lie, he tells her exactly what he thinks, and it doesn't go well. It ends with her in tears. So it almost makes you think lying would have been better than being honest. But by the end of the movie, he does realize that telling the truth is a better choice and that he can do it in a loving way. But if we're honest, we all struggle with the truth in some way in our lives. We are all faced at times with the decision to tell the truth or not, to maybe leave out some information that might work against us or just go along with something that might not really be true when we don't want to make waves or get involved. Human beings have always had a loose relationship with the truth. We stretch it to the point of almost, but not quite being a lie. 
Like telling the doctor you drink alcohol only occasionally when you know that it's a little more than that, but you don't want to hear the lecture. We justify telling little white lies because the intention behind it is for someone's good, like telling them they need to get over to your house right away because there's been an emergency, when what you're really doing is making an excuse to get them to your house for a surprise party on their behalf. Well, that can't possibly be bad, right? Or we just don't want to deal with the consequences of our actions, so we just plain out and out lie. No, sir, officer, there are no drugs in my car. No, honey, I was at work all night. I don't know why someone told you they saw my car at my assistant's house. I don't even know where they live. No, ma'am, Miss IRS agent. I did not get any wages other than what I reported on my tax return. Yes, our relationship with the truth can be a bit tenuous from time to time. It's who we are as human beings. It's part of our sinful nature, our legacy given to us from Adam and Eve so long ago. But we can't just dump the blame on them and say, you know, oh well. Then there are the times that we can't seem to figure out exactly what the truth is. Like now during this pandemic, no matter what you might believe about the masks and or vaccines, there's so much conflicting information out there that to dig through it all and really know for certain that we have the absolute truth is what I call impossible. No matter what you believe about racial justice in our country right now, there is so much manipulation of what and how information is reported that we can't be sure enough of what actually happened to even make an informed decision about the truth in any situation. So we end up, or at least I do anyway, kind of like Pilate when he's talking to Jesus and asks him, what is truth? That's the real question, right? What is truth? Jesus calls the Holy Spirit in today's passage the spirit of truth. What does that mean? And how will we know it when we see it? Is it only about telling the truth? Like in court, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Or is truth more than that? Today is Pentecost, the day the disciples are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth promised by Jesus. What is the truth Christ is speaking about, and how will the Spirit lead us into that truth as Jesus has promised? What will that matter to us here and now, long after this amazing, extraordinary day we celebrate known as Pentecost? In the Gospel of John, truth is an ongoing theme as Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem and to the cross. In the first chapter, the writer of John doesn't tell the story of Christ's birth. Instead, he writes about who he is and what it meant that he came. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. And then in one of our most beloved passages, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. In John 1.17, we read, The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. While, walking, while talking to the woman at the well, Jesus tells her that true worshipers will worship in spirit, and truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And in another familiar passage in John 14, we receive a better insight to what Jesus means by truth. When he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Then Thomas asked, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? To which Jesus replies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. In this same farewell speech to the disciples, just before our passage today, Jesus tells them, if you love me, You will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides in you, and he will be in you. In our passage today, we hear once again that he will ask the Father to send the Spirit of truth, and that this Spirit will guide them into all truth. But we still need a clearer picture of what Jesus means by the truth until, as he continues in his farewell speech in chapter 17, he says as he prays to God, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that I that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they believed that you have sent me. So the dictionary definition of truth is, one, the true or actual state of a matter, two, a verified or indisputable fact, proposition or principle, or three, actuality, or actual existence. There are others, but those are the most relevant definitions to our quest for truth this morning. Truth for Jesus is the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, that he is the Christ sent by God for the salvation of the world, that he is the word of God made flesh. And if you dig into the origin of the word truth, you'll find it comes from the old English word meaning faith. Our faith in Christ is our confession of the truth. As we profess our faith in Christ, we testify to the truth that he is the word made flesh, that he is the light of the world, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He says in John 8, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is the truth, Jesus Christ, the love of God made real to us, the grace of God poured out on us through his life, death, and resurrection that gives us eternal life. It is our faith in Christ that gives us salvation, that gives us freedom from the power of sin and power and gives us power over death. By knowing the truth, by knowing Jesus Christ, that is God sent to redeem us, the truth sets us free. When we put our faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. 
And we receive power just like those disciples on the day of Pentecost because we have that truth living inside of us. The truth that binds us together to one, one to another as we become the church, the instrument and the vessel of truth in the world. We receive the power to overcome sin, not just in ourselves, but in the world as we, as the church and the body of Christ, speak truth to power, speak the truth of Jesus Christ in the world. And as we pray, we call on the power of that truth and connect to the source of that power through the spirit living inside of us. This spirit makes us one, one with each other, one with God and is present in the heart of every believer, past, present, and future, present with those who live in the truth as wherever two or more are gathered in his name. Jesus is with us. So what does knowing the truth, having faith in Jesus as our Savior, as the Son of God, the Word made flesh, mean for us? Well, first, knowing the truth sets us free. We are free from the power of sin so we can overcome those temptations in our lives. We can live in the world, but not be of the world. We have the power and strength to live the way Jesus calls us to live, instead of living the way the world tells us every moment of our lives to live. As the Spirit guides us into all truth, the Spirit is molding us, shaping us to reflect Jesus in all we do. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, if you have love for one another, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. A life of truth is a life lived in his word, a life lived in love, love for God, love for one another, neighbors and enemies, for our brothers and sisters, for the poor and needy, for those who are oppressed and in need of justice. Micah 6, 8 reminds us what that truth is leading us to do. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. These are the words of truth. We are called to walk in them. Christ is the truth. The Spirit leads us in the way of truth, and through our faith in Christ, the living truth, we receive life. Human beings often have a loose relationship with the truth, and the world bombards us with information and ideas on what is right and true. We can get so confused and easily find ourselves off track, living in ways that seem right but are wrong according to our faith. So when it comes to living in this world here and now, how can we know what is truth and what is a lie? Well, in Amos chapter 7, when the prophet Amos is talking to God about the ways the Israelites are living, it is clear they are listening to their leaders and other people who just say to them whatever they want to hear, that they are being led down a path by the lies of the world. They have turned away from God, turned away from the truth of who they are, of how they are to live, and it is leading them down a path of destruction. Beginning in chapter 7, 7, we read, This is what he showed me. 
The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. For those who don't understand that image, a plumb line is used in construction to make sure everything is straight, like a wall. No matter what your eyes are telling you about what is straight, you use the line to make sure that you are getting it right. As children of God, people who follow Jesus Christ, we have been given a plumb line, something we use to measure everything against to see if it is indeed the truth, if it is right according to our faith. Jesus is that plumb line, and the Holy Spirit giving to us at our baptism is the one who holds that plumb line in our hearts. When we encounter an idea or have to make a decision on the truth, or even telling the truth, we can use that plumb line to determine the truth. Jesus tells us to love God and our neighbor as ourselves, that we are to love one another. If we encounter anything that is not loving, we can know immediately it is a lie, that it's not the truth, that it doesn't measure up to the plumb line of Jesus Christ. Treating people that are somehow different than ourselves whether it's the color of their skin, their ancestry, their language, their age, their gender, their orientation, their past, their political views, or whatever the issue is, is wrong. It's a lie because we measure it against what Jesus, the truth, tells us. It just doesn't measure up. Jesus tells us to care for the widows and orphans, those in need. So turning a blind eye or making excuses to keep everything for yourself and not look to the needs of those around us is a lie. It's wrong. The spirit living in us convicts us of the truth if we let it, if we listen to the truth. On this day, as we celebrate the spirit of truth, take the time to let that spirit speak truth in your soul. Measure whatever you hear in the news, whatever you you hear your friends or those around you say is the best way to live against the plumb line God has given us all. If it doesn't measure up with the words of Christ, then it is a lie. What would happen in this world If like the little boy's wish on his birthday in Liar Liar, no one in the world could tell a lie for 24 whole hours. Now that would be a world I would want to see. And we can make it happen by speaking the truth of Jesus wherever we go and keeping that plumb line up and visible in our own lives. Speak the truth. Speak it in love, but live the life that Jesus has called you to live and speak out against the lies of the world. Let the truth be told and let it change the world. Amen.